we're that connection point for the first responders. We're the connection point for our elders. It wasn't just about streaming. It wasn't just about gaming. It was about the community. Welcome to another episode of the Community Broadband Bits Podcast. I'm Christopher Mitchell at the Institute for Local Self-Reliance in St. Paul, Minnesota normally, but I am once again in the southern part of the United States in the beautiful Southwest, hanging out at uh, Gila River Indian Community at the National Tribal Telecom Association event, where I snagged a really exciting interview. And I'm talking with Claudia Tarbell, the Senior Engagement Manager for Tribal and Indigenous Communities. And there's glare on the name tag. <laughs> and um, Claudia is someone that I've gotten to know quite a bit lately and is working with us on the tribal work. So wonderful to have you here. Thank you. It's great to be here. Um, I'm really happy with the participation that we did uh, with the Tribal Broadband Boot Camp at uh, Tribal Broadband Summit. Yes. Yeah, we'll talk about that for a second. Uh, but we're here also with your boss's boss's boss, maybe the uh, president and CEO of Calix, Michael Weening. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. It's, it's really great to have both of you here. Um, when I started in this business about 16 years ago, there's a guy named Dave Russell who worked in Minneapolis for Calix. He had been at OSI prior to that, Optical Solutions. And Dave Russell was, uh, was truly a wonderful person to work with. I learned a lot as he was driving me from Minneapolis uh, down to Iowa events for the Iowa Association of Municipal Utilities. He and I would go and, um, and uh, different events like that. We'd see each other on planes and I would see him out running around. He's still out, I'm sure, with his enjoying life with his grandkids in retirement, but that's fantastic. He's a great guy. Well, we still have that office. Yes. And one of the things that I remembered about him, and this is why I wanted to speak with you is that he, um, he was doing economic development research. You know, we're talking about 12, 13 years ago. And what I really liked about him is that someone in that position could easily have been like, Oh, the economic development's amazing. All you need is fiber. You just got to buy Calic stuff and then your community will be great. And he he did real research, and he was and he tried to find real things. He didn't he didn't look for like spurious co uh, correlation sure. that would be easy to prove. He was great, right? Well, and and I think that goes back to our founder too, right? So if you look at the individual who founded our company, which is Carl Russo, this is his third company, third multi billion dollar company, and he really had a vision for there's this huge opportunity in rural broadband, and that's how we found he founded the company. And it goes way beyond what network are you building. Mm -hmm. And that's ultimately why I joined the company, because he had this vision for we can help these organizations, small and medium service providers, completely transform rural America and go way beyond just the fiber in the ground to what are all the services? How can we help them build a business? How do we make them successful? Which leads to that really important thing, which is how do I drive the economic development beyond education, all the different standard things to you know transform a community so it drives everybody at the company and it's really exciting and it's great to hear it chances are he was doing that work for carl yeah and then also there's keith carlson who just when you said carl just reminded me of another person that keith is still there well and he is an anchor of the company so as i learned about north dakota and south dakota and we have these maps we show because people people one of the things we do with the fiber day the boot camps is we just help people I want people to appreciate that if all of North Dakota basically has fiber optic access, access, we can do it anywhere where we just where we make it a priority. Of course, because so, of the distribution. But the question is, how did North Dakota become the leader in it? And my understanding is, a lot of it comes back to Keith Carlson. There is absolutely no doubt that <laughs> Keith Carlson had a had a big part of it, and I would say that he is a really great example of what our you know what our company stands for. You know, it's it's very focused on those customers understanding what they're trying to accomplish 
in their in their markets and then partnering with them to drive success. And I, I can't think of a better person who exemplifies that than Keith. He's been there for, I, I don't know, 16, 18 years. Mm-hmm. And if you talk to him, he's always advocating for his customers. He's always, you know, when you talk to his customers, they're all like, Keith and I are partnering. We're looking at this. And again, constantly pushing our product organization with new ideas, new business models. How do we expand beyond uh, you know, just broadband because it's, it's not about fiber. Fiber is just the start, and it's got to be this long journey of how do you build a how to build a business in a community, right? Yes, and if for people who are interested in the deep history, I talked with Robin Anderson, who's a woman in North Dakota that's been involved with the fiber networks for a long time, and she talked about some of those early days with Keith. and uh, And so, for people that want to go back in the archives, I don't know which number it is off the top of my head, but um, but it's back there. When I believe Keith was at Occam at the time, right? And then moved over, you know, and Carl tells a lot of stories about the acquisition of Occam, which was um, when he was envisioning the organizational shift away from where we were into an IP world, and then looking at this massive transformation with software and clouds, he actually decided that or targeted Occam as a, you know, they had great architects. And in fact, if you look at the platform that we've built, you know, the last 12 years, 1.2 billion invested, it was actually, I think, four or five people from Occam who were the hmm. core architects with Carl that kicked it all off 12 years ago. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot of history in there. Yeah, so that's my history. And then uh, it's probably, it was September of last year, I walked into the National Tribal Telecom September event that they were having. And I had um, I'd spoken with Allison Mitchell years ago, and she blew me away. And since then, I've been trying to get her on this show, but she's super hard to, to nail down because she's super busy. And you're on stage, Claudia, and you were talking about working with Mohawk Networks. And I was just like, oh, my God, this is so cool. Like someone else like, maybe could tell the story. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. I mean, Mohawk Networks was um, an idea from an economic development officer. Um, it wasn't Mohawk Networks at the time. He just knew that the limitations that we had with our connection was going to hurt our economic development of the tribe. Um, So they worked uh, a couple years in creating, uh, pulling together a solution. And so they applied for the the grant funding of USDA grant um, and Ross grants. And we received that and it was a 80-20 reimbursable style grant. And so it was a huge undertaking for the tribe well, let me jump in because we're going to tell the story of Mohawk Networks with with other work because you are are you are really being essential in helping us to do a tribal broadband boot camp in yes. Akwazazni. So um, that's going to be exciting. We're going to learn a lot, lot more about it. But tell me about your transition and feel free to throw in the part where you love the work that my team does. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I had. Um... I had worked for the for the casino. I had worked for our health services department, um, and I worked for a tobacco company. And I was like, ah, "This isn't enough for me." And so I seen a job for um, for Mohawk Networks, and I went into the interview. And the person, the general manager at the time, was kind of like, "I don't see a fit. I don't think you're qualified for the position." And I don't like to be told that I can't do something. That's the kind of jerk move I would pull in an interview, <laughs> in part to see how a person would respond. Right. <laughs> so I spun, looked at him, and said, 
it's internet. What's the big deal? <laughs> I love that. You see, I heard you say that at Net Inclusion, and I love that story. Yeah. Um, so surprisingly, I got hired for the position, and I started doing a, a lot of research. If I don't know something, I research, and I research, and I research until I understand it. And um, I started looking at muni network so i started reading up on how broadband has been used by other communities and how i can implement how we could implement that within aquasasni and fully understanding um you know having a great customer experience being very very community focused was a huge part of mohawk network success um, and the general, uh, Allison Mitchell, general manager, she took that very seriously. And she's a tremendous leader for the team in um, making sure that, you know, we understand that we're that connection point for the first responders. We're the connection point for our elders. We are the connection point for our police department, um, public safety. It wasn't just about streaming. It wasn't just about, um, it wasn't about gaming. It was about, you know, the community mm -hmm. and so you know the team really took our job seriously and we took a lot of pride in our work because yeah it is we're, we're the connection for the community well then you had an opportunity to come to calyx and i don't know if you're comfortable sharing what allison told you but i love that it's great <laughs> management <laughs> um yes so my director joni met allison at an event um and then joni was creating a position within calyx um, for marketing for tribes. And so she reached out to Allison. She's like, hey, I'm creating this position. Do you have anyone in mind? And she said, yes, I do have someone in mind. Um, so she, she approached me and she said, hey, there's Calyx is creating this position. You need to apply to it, but I hope you don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, I hope you get it. But I, I hope you don't. And I mean, that's a, I mean, it's a huge compliment from a leader that does not prevent you from growth. I think, she, you know, she's a tremendous leader for, you know, allowing me to um, move forward and, you know, grow, really. It's not even I'm reaching my potential. It's I'm growing. And um, she knew that, you know, I was leaving a hole within the core team. Mm -hmm. But now you're bringing back a bunch of us for three days at least so <laughs> <laughs> yes and you um yeah and she's really good about that you know she she really understands that um tribes need some education and some training um so that you know they are very well prepared to own and operate their own isp right and that's what i want to i think i'll jump back over here to um uh, michael the um the question then is uh is with calyx is obviously you, you mentioned that this is straight through from the founding this idea of going beyond just uh the, the idea of selling the fiber gear and that sort of a thing uh so I'm, I'm curious what are some of the things that calyx is doing now that go above and beyond to help out sure well well it starts out with the platform right anyone can sell a box into someone and then and then hope that they can use it. But what we've really done is engage with our customers in our advisory panels and all these different groups, get all their feedback. And so as we continue to expand out this very unique platform in the market that goes right from the edge of the data center all the way to the end subscriber, whether they're a consumer or they're a, a business, um, we take those ideas and implement them. And I, I've given multiple examples of this on different 
um, talks around how we've integrated um, and gone above and beyond because of the fact that we, we're bringing like solutions like Bark, which is around helping communities stop cyberbullying and self harm, right? And we're looking at how do we um, create a ubiquitous mesh of Wi-Fi to to light up a town and and allow a student to leave school and basically roam around and get education. And then the other part of it, which Quality and the team are actively involved in, is then we go beyond and say we have the same kind of cloud philosophy that. You know, I, I, I was at Salesforce and other places where, you know, you can't actually just drop something off and hope it works. Our responsibility to our customers is to say, look, this is a partnership and your success is really important and we want you to constantly improve. So, for example, we've implemented something called the marketing activation program, which is we notice a lot of our customers didn't have access to you know a big agency. Right. Whereas our agency is the same agency for Spotify and Audible. And it's because the executives on our team are, are very senior, come from IBM and places like that. This is for like advertising. And for advertising, there. right. And, you know, if I'm a small service provider, right, I have, let's say I'm a tribe and I have a thousand customers, you know, who's going to be doing my agency work? Who's going to be creating my ads? It's going to be someone who's maybe in the high school I went with who, who actually was a good artist, right? Mm -hmm. And what we did was we actually created a program where all of our customers get access to now over 4,000 pieces of content that with a single click of a button, they can put their logo, their colors on it, they can change the text, and now their content is better than AT&T, Comcast, and Charter. And I say better because we actually just won a global award for advertising for video um, for video advertising. And that was up against some of the best brands in the world, including like Sony PlayStation. Right? That probably would have been nice back in the day, huh? Yeah. I know that's one of the things we talked about, Claudia. <laughs> right. But, but and our customers really appreciate it because... The, the other part, too, is it just makes their lives simpler mm -hmm. instead of having to figure out because we also go and test these campaigns. We partner with the customers and they say, here's a campaign I want to run. So we create it and we see it works or it doesn't. And then the, the second big one is that unlike anyone else in the marketplace, we've actually really invested in customer success. And this, again, philosophically comes from, you know, I, I ran the global customer success organization for small and medium business at, at Salesforce, which was about three and a half billion at the time when I was there. And it was all about scaling and helping those customers succeed. And so we have a small army of people in, in the U.S. and Canada serving rural customers. And all that they do is they don't have quotas. Their bonuses are based on how successful you are as a tribe or a cooperative or whatever it is. And they're all about how do you run your marketing organization? How do you run your call center? How do you run your field service? How are you running your network and, and premises operations? All these things and constantly pushing our customers to improve so that they can be more successful for their communities. And that's, again, I would say that's the biggest difference is that, you know, look, we built a company on the rural markets 23 years ago. Carl made the choice that I can go and build a company for AT&T, um, but then AT&T is going to dictate what we build. And the chances are the product is going to be terrible because it's just going to work for AT&T. Mm -hmm. Instead, what he said was, I've got this history where I understand all these rural providers. We're going to build technology that allows all of them to be successful, and then we'll scale up. And that has been the philosophy that's driven the company. That's why we have over 2,000 customers who give us all this great feedback and we partner on. And that's you know that's kind of how we run the company. Um, so I'm curious, since you've joined Calix, um, I mean, I... I have to assume it's been just really interesting to now suddenly be working nationally and focusing on this stuff. But are there any reflections or any things that have been like really exciting that that you've done in terms of encouraging people to step up and take a chance? When I talk to tribes, I always encourage them to find a way 
to own a part of their network, Mm -hmm. own a part of their infrastructure, because sometimes it's not feasible to own and operate, but find a way to take control of that because I love that um, because that's the only way that you are going to have an impact in your community. If you give that if you give that control away to somebody else, they're not going to be as passionate. They're not going to be as committed to your community. So you need to find ways to um, find operational sustainability and build operational efficiencies um, because nobody else is going to understand your community the way you do. Nobody's going to provide jobs for your community the way Mm -hmm. you do. And nobody is going to have that passion for that impact the way you do find a way to own it. That's great. And I'll, and I'll just say that, like, I feel like the vibe here is, is changing a bit in that we, there was just a wireless uh, group on stage. And at the end of it, uh, the person who was up there uh, was like, you know, like you should really focus on owning this stuff. And, and I, I feel like that message is getting out there. That's always been our message is that like owners make decisions and it's terrific that we're seeing that out there, but that's great advice. Thank you so much. Thank you for giving me this opportunity um, to be on your podcast and um, share my story and share my passion. You'll be back. Yeah, I will be back. I'm a a huge fan of Muni Networks. I've always read all the case studies that you put out. Um, I mean, I think you do great information um, and what you focus on is just amazing. Thanks. And I I really wanted to to bug you, but I know that you have a busy week. So we're going to do a Zoom interview or or else do it more face-to-face again sometime. But I do have a last question for Michael then, uh, which is yesterday we did a fiber day with um, Ed Mitchell and Mary St. John. And in it, they were talking about managed Wi-Fi. And I always talk about managed Wi-Fi as you want to reduce truck rolls. This is about operational expense. And they were talking about being able to have a branded mobile app. And I admit, I was kind of like, yeah, whatever. Like branded mobile app, whatever. Not whatever. No, so this is the thing, right? And so, and then Mary starts talking about how um, uh, to to get a teenager down for dinner time, you can just pop open your app and and as in like this ISP that has a small ISP, you have 500 customers or something like that, right? You're not going to be investing in your app, but here you have this app that then you can turn off their internet, <laughs> turn off their device to get their attention. That's cool. So we, we're going way beyond managed Wi-Fi. So managed Wi-Fi in our words terminology is like five years ago. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of people getting into it now, but what we did was we started building that out again back to what you said, which was the initial push for that was really reducing opex, right? Because a lot of broadband providers wouldn't go inside the home because of the fact that they said, no, no, I'll let them go buy something. But then they started to realize they're getting all the phone calls. Mm-hmm. So whereas if they use our cloud, they control the broadband, they see everything that's going on, they can see your iPhone doesn't get you know good reception by the pool, and then they can fix it. Hey, we got to extend it, right? But then as we think more and more about the home and, and the business, as we expand out our services capabilities, so giving them the ability to offer incremental things like home security, web cameras, um, going into, as I said, bark and uh, warranty work and all these other things, um, you really have to have a good relationship with your customer and you have to have a way to interact with them. So one thing that we did was we built a mobile app and when we architected, we architected so it was simple for us to put their brand on it because we never want to have our brand. No one should ever know who Calix is. Or as a friend of mine says, Cal-I-X. <laughs> yeah, I just say, it's California. That's how you say it. That's the only way I can remember not to say Calix. Say, you know, think California. But but we built this mobile app so that, to your point, someone who has two, 300 subscribers can literally have a custom 
you know, with their brand, their colors, they have this mobile interaction because in the end, that's how they interact with their end subscriber. And yes, there's all these capabilities, but those capabilities become really crucial when I'm running my home security, I'm running my web cameras, I'm using all these other applications. And now the call center can actually start interacting also through the mobile app with the person who's, because the person who installs it is the one who's controlling the home, right? And so you can get to that person who's actually the, the internal person who's running the network inside the house and, and interact with them. And we thought it was critical to go way beyond just, you know, managing it to having an interaction that is, is very, very fruitful for every member. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time today. It's been terrific catching up. Great. Thank you very much for having us. And again, you know, to what Claudia said, thank you so much for the partnership around education where, you know, you asked about the things that we're doing. This broadband academy that we built out goes way beyond just, you know, how to run a network, how to do marketing. It, it's all these different elements and working with organizations like yourself is incredibly important as these tribes learn to build their businesses. So very exciting. And you don't need to be a Calix customer to be a part of that. You can no, just jump absolutely. right in and Calix Academy. Yeah, it's yeah, Calix Academy. There's other opportunities too for more in-depth stuff. Calix has a lot of educational sure. resources, I know, but that's the one to look at for. Well, and, and what we find is we're engaging with with tribes and cooperatives and groups who are looking at getting into broadband at a very early stage, right? So there's the education work that we're sharing with them way before they even consider Calix, but we're also doing things like um, educating them on how to apply for a broadband grant, right? Where's all the money that you can get to actually support your business? How do you fill out the forms? We have all those capabilities because, again, we recognize that this is a long-term relationship. Again, we've been here for 23 years. We built a company on it. We expect to be here for decades longer. And, and to only make that happen, you have to actually lean in at all stages. And it's not just about what you get out of it. It's about helping them so they can help their communities. Excellent. Well, thank you. Thanks for your time. We have transcripts for this and other podcasts available at muninetworks.org slash broadbandbits. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org with your ideas for the show. Follow Chris on Twitter. His handle is at communitynets. Follow muninetworks.org stories on Twitter. The handle is at muninetworks. Subscribe to this and other podcasts from ILSR, including Building Local Power, Local Energy Rules, and the Composting for Community podcast. You can access them anywhere you get your podcasts. You can catch the latest important research from all of our initiatives if you subscribe to our monthly newsletter at ilsr.org. While you're there, please take a moment to donate. Your support in any amount keeps us going. Thank you to Arnie Hughesby for the song Warm Duck Shuffle, licensed through Creative Commons. This was the Community Broadband Bits podcast. Thanks for listening. <laughs>